Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the third to last, I believe, maybe fourth to last episode from the Mobile Command Center. It's Locked On Seminoles, your favorite daily Florida State sports talk show with your favorite Florida State talk people. I'm your host, Max. That is Drake. And tonight, we have a great show for you. We're going to broaden our horizons a bit, and we are going to talk about the soccer coach hire. We feel like it was almost a case study, test case, whatever you want to call it, of how this athletic department under the new leadership is going to approach hiring for marquee sports, and that makes us very excited. Then we're going to pump the brakes on the thought exercises. We're going to probably not talk too much Mike Norvell tonight because we've been a little hard on the guy, and we're going to talk draft. So we're going to say who who do we want to see go win? Who do we think on this roster could be future NFL players? And then maybe we'll just give you all a little behind the scenes, off-season stuff if we've got time. We haven't done that in a while. Who knows? You'll have to stick around to find out. So, Drake, let's give the people Locked On Seminoles. You are Locked On Seminoles, your daily podcast on the Florida State Seminoles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And folks, if you are joining us on YouTube or if you are joining us on podcasts, doesn't matter. Do your respective thing. YouTube, subscribe, podcast, five stars. But if you're on YouTube or if you can go to YouTube, we would very much appreciate the subscribe. We are almost at a thousand. And does it really matter? No. Yeah, no. But it makes me feel great. And it makes Drake feel great. And it makes Dave feel great. Makes Holly feel great. Makes Stacy feel great. And it's just like, we love that y'all listen to us every single day. I mean, really, who would have thought a kid from Tallahassee, Florida? I mean, like if, if I was going to have people listen to me about anything, it would have made sense that it was Florida State football given location. And a kid from Hollywood or Deerfield or however y'all from, classify from it down there. Coca- I'm from Coconut Creek. It don't, changes don't, every don't, time. No, 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 it doesn't. In the words of Goldmember, there is no pleasing you. No, because I corrected you each and every damn time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, folks, um, I'm in the mobile command center. Drake is working hard down there. And the point is, the subscribe makes us feel good. It helps us out. And we are on the push to 1,000. And you can be a part of that. So thank you for joining us on this journey. And we couldn't do it without y'all. Drake, that's enough of that. How are you feeling? What do you think about this new soccer coach hire? What do you think about the athletic department? What do you think about life in general? One... I'm feeling good, man. I got a Lomo Saltado waiting for me after this recording. I'm very excited to eat after a long day at work. I've been up for – I started, didn't start in the morning workouts. And, uh, yeah, it sucks waking up at 6 a.m. But um, – sorry, 5 a.m. But with the soccer hire, to me, I do like how we actually – we did go after a premier name actually overall, like actually in the field. My only, I guess, question I have – it's not really a gripe or anything. It's just I want to see – I know everyone's saying, I think you guys touched on it a little bit more, whereas we're saying like there was a new commitment to women's sports, women's soccer. I kind of want to wait until maybe two, three years from now to see actually how that turns over because we did just lose the best coach, actually probably overall in the probably the history of the sport right now because I'm a Rikorian. So I do kind of want to see overall like how this entire eight, uh, administration kind of backs them still because it's really difficult to probably be as good as we have been for the past five years. Yeah, I mean, it's like when when – I don't know the guy's name. The bad guy coach in Mighty Ducks 2 says, 
You lost it for me, Gunner. He says, you, you lost, lost it for, for yourself. yourself. I mean, that's kind of what happened with Kerkorian. We didn't lose him. Like, we, like I'm sorry. We were going to pay that guy so much money. It was stupid. And the reality is, schools like Clemson are literally just cutting these programs that don't make any money. At Stanford, you, if you want to go watch the thing about the kids paying to get into school, the documentary, the sailing coach basically says, you are sat down and explain that your only job is to fund your own sport because it's Stanford where they have a fully endowed scholarship fund. They have billions of dollars in the bank. They tell the other sports to kick rocks. And we were going to make him the highest paid coach in the nation. Like, I understand that we're not funding his department the way he wanted necessarily, but we're getting him some new stadium stuff. And again, I hate to sound calloused. Maybe this is just me coming off a day of work. You make zero dollars for the school. Us paying him any money is pure, like, us trying to sustain the sport for the good of the young women that play it, for the good of the student athlete, and for the good of the furtherance of women's sports. Like, it, you know what I mean? It's just a different no, game. I, so, I, I so get we are. I, I I no, I get what you're saying because, like, we all understand. I think it's we're not, it's naive to think that basically that football is not your number one primary breadwinner when it comes to financial revenue. I yeah. think more the thing is, and correct me if I'm wrong, if you were excelling at the sort of you know prestige and achievement wise as Mark Corian and then you get told like hey by the way we're not cutting but we're reallocating some of these funds to an individual who has not basically been performing to the standards that we have right now I mean like naturally that would make me feel some type of way especially when you've been basically winning three championships in the past five years that's like but that's, you and that kind that of natural reaction shows to go coach women's soccer like you knew that there was a ceiling and that the, I would have more sympathy if he was the 25th highest paid coach. He was going to be the highest paid coach by a substantial margin. So, like, what more recognition can you get in your field than being the highest paid? He doesn't have a problem with what Florida State was going to pay him. He has a problem with what the market will bear for women's soccer coaches at the collegiate level. Because we looked at the market and said, we will pay you more than the market says you're worth, so you'll keep doing what you're doing. And he's still complaining. That's See, like that, having that's... the highest allowance among your friends and still complaining that it's not enough. Fine, go get a job and earn your own money, but you don't earn money right now. See, that's why I don't think it's about like him and his actually salary. In my personal no, opinion, I, I was of the belief that the moment Mark uh, uh, Michael Alfer was hired as the AD, we would be looking to see a different coaching staffs. You know, not only with women, uh, women's soccer, but Sue Semra also stepped down, maybe for different reasons. We had an internal hire that were Brooke Wyckoff, and I wouldn't be surprised too for the next few years. Coach Hamilton also like he's getting up there in age, so we might have someone yeah, new coming in. Too. He's like 72, looks like he's 40, looks younger than me. And then you have Jay Barst, the guy that actually just got hired from as an assistant coach who might be the next guy because he's a little bit younger and probably a little more on the financial side of things like fundraising-wise, what Alfred wants to see. And it's also just a normal thing where whenever a new general manager comes into, whether it be sporting events or your, your, your local restaurant, they want to have their own people under them when it comes to making sure. their own vision. So this is like sort of a natural sort of thing. I just think it's more that, to me, this just came down to the relationship between the two individuals. Yeah, and, and I, I think that's right. And, you know, it's 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 what I'm contending, I guess, is the, you know, we're not investing in it, whatever. Okay, go like what's let me let me I would ask Mark Recording this. What school is investing in women's soccer to not the detriment, but to any amount of negative to the football program? There isn't one like the other top schools are UNC. Primary investment there is football is number one. Basketball is number two. And women's soccer, probably way down the line. And again, that's still the number two highest paid coach in the country. Now number one. Stanford's the other one. Okay, Stanford again makes all of their non-football coaches 
basically be full-time fundraisers. That's just the philosophy on which they operate, and they have more money in the bank. Wh- who did we beat? Santa Clara? Like, how much does that soccer coach make? I mean, and I'm not saying he, he wasn't right to leave. You don't have to work for a boss you don't like. Yeah. But to say that, like, we are we are not funding the program appropriately, I just think was a little out of bounds when it's like, we are funding it more than any other program in the nation when right now our football program compared to those other schools needs more resources to get itself back on its feet. See, that's more it's where like, I think it's that fact that we're reallocating these sources to from probably the, besides the women's softball team, probably the strongest, I guess, sport that we have right now to a extremely struggling kind of department actually within the athletics. And I think that's more probably it's an irritating type of thing. I don't, I don't know whether you can agree with it or not, but I think it's more just like that probably would rub some people like the wrong way. If your money's going for somewhere else that you work from that, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I guess, but it's, it's like, it's like go to, again, go to any other school. Football is going to be priority number one. So then do you only complain when the football team starts to suck? Like football doesn't, you know, it doesn't work that way. Like you don't invest in it only when they're good. Like it's not, it's not show me you can win and then I'll pay you. It's like, Hey, we're going to keep investing money, hoping that we get better because if this sport doesn't improve, because you say sports, and I don't, I don't think you mean it this way, but like, they're not both sports in the sense that they're both, you know, integer one. They're equals, right? It's like that's like having a really, really, really good greeter at a Walmart, right? And saying, hey, we really shouldn't take money away from his position to help the marketing budget of another Walmart that we're really relying on to fund all the Walmarts in the area. That's kind of a shitty analogy, but, but they're not on the same plane. Like you can't just say, well, my sport's good and his isn't. So why are you giving him money? Because frankly, if women's soccer loses every game next year, no one loses their job over it. I mean, the coach might, but whatever. If football has another season where they don't make a bowl game, people throughout the department at women's softball, at soccer, at basketball, start losing jobs no, I, at no, sports I, information. No, I so, can agree with that. I think the, I don't fo- know. the football program overall is, pro- is the most important thing. And it's also, it's for probably 99.9% of schools, except for maybe your schools that are primarily lacrosse. Basically, that's the lifeblood of your entire or athletic department. There's a couple. Or, or basketball, too. Yeah. I just think it's more, that's where I'm saying, like, that's like a personal thing where it's like. Yeah, I agree. I'm just, that, that, I, that's, I'm that's arguing like with Corey and not you, I think, is oh, what yeah. I'm getting at. Oh, I'm yeah, saying no. he, la- you're right. I get where you're saying, like, I, I I hear you're saying how he probably felt. I agree with that. I'm just like arguing against him through you as a proxy of like, yeah, but hey, idiot, <laughs> like that's not how it works and you're being a child. But either way, look, what I'm excited about, Drake, and like, I, I don't know if I'm making too much of a comparison, but in a sport where, you know, yeah, it's not a revenue sport, but we have been dominant on the land, on the national landscape. It was really cool to see this athletic department go get the head coach of Tennessee who had been there for 10 years right, who was making pretty good money at a Power 5 program. He was the SEC Coach of the Year. He'd won an SEC championship. Like, we went and got someone. Like, we didn't just say, hey, okay, who's kicking around that might want to coach our soccer team? They made a power play for someone, and they they, they successfully made a power play for no, someone. No, I 100% so agree. That's exciting. I think, uh, I think his last name is Pinsky. I think is his name. And it's he, Brian Pinsky, yeah. Yeah, Brian Pinsky. Yeah, Brian Pinsky, to me, that's a very, very elite hire right there. And that's someone that overall, like he has the roster to actually compete again once. Like to me, this is a team that's the best in the country and that's been shown three out of the past five years. So overall, like as long as we see like the sort of commitment that we've seen before when it comes to women's soccer, I think that's more just basically, I want to say two years from now, three years from now, actually where this team ends up with that. Because I do think Brian Pesky is probably the, the best coach out there that was available overall. 
Yeah, and, and I would say this, right, to to Mark Gregorian, all right? Find me a school where the Locked On channel is going to spend 12 minutes talking about women's soccer because that's how much we care about the sport and that's how much we care about the athletic department in general. And if that's how much you care about your body, well, you need to be putting the right fuel in it, okay? And the right fuel for it is none other than Bilt Bar. I mean, there's a lot of things you should eat, right? Get your vitamins, get your minerals, get your all that good stuff. But Bilt Bar should be a foundational item in your diet at this point. And if it's not, well, go ahead and fix it. Go to Bilt.com. Use promo code LOCK15. Folks, Bilt Bars are protein bars that taste like candy bars. They are delicious. They are nutritious. And now they've got these crazy fluffy marshmallowy things called puffs. I don't know. If you're into marshmallows like me, I like peeps. Drake doesn't. Doesn't really, you know. However you feel about it, they've got other products. I'm frankly sticking with the Built Bars because all I need is my peanut butter brownie Built Bar, and I'm set. It gives me energy for the 6 a.m. workout, and it gives me energy for the 6 p.m. phone call. So go to Built.com and use promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your order. Folks, if you are rocking and rolling with us, make sure that you are subscribed to the YouTube channel. We are on the race, the push, if you will. To a thousand. Um, yeah, follow us on Twitter, all that stuff too. But make sure you subscribe on the YouTube. That's the most important thing you could do for us. The most important thing we could do for you is to keep doing the show every day. So we'll hold up our end of the bargain. If you guys just hold up yours, click subscribe. Drake, let's talk draft. This is going to be more you driving it because I have a simple philosophy when it comes to pro football. I watch the playoffs. And other than that, I just, you know, whatever. I kind of, once they're gone from Florida State, here, here's the thing. I made a conscious decision in my life many moons ago that there's seven days in a week. Five are going to work. And then I had Charlotte. So I had to decide that, like, I can't dedicate day six and seven to football. So something had to give, and I picked college. But, you know, I know a little bit more than the average bear about the pro game, I guess. So what do we look like on the draft boards? What what's What's the hot... What, what's the hot news? The hot news is right now that maybe Jermaine Johnson is a top five pick. And that's something that probably I think entering the year, you probably heard that he might be a, a second round pick. But, I mean, you saw the season he had overall. Basically, he cemented himself as definitely a top 32 player. And then the combine he had, I mean, he ran like, what, a 4.54, a 4.59 as a defensive yeah. end at that size too i mean six foot five 254 pounds like that's something that's a big man like coming at you with like it literally is a terrifying thing to see yeah so to me overall i think right now what you're hearing is that he might be a top five pick but also you i mean you know basically when it comes to these sort of things where a lot more names are put out there kind of as a smoke screen for certain things mainly to have other teams sort of you know sell higher to get their pick so with jermaine johnson for me he's going to be the first time i'll take off the board obviously that's no shocker to anyone but to me i think that he's going to be driving to probably either the Texans at 13 or the Baltimore Ravens actually probably at number 14, which to, to pair him with Patrick Queen. And that's something that he's not going to go past that spot. So, folks, if I were y'all, I would definitely – if you see, I know you're going to see some values and prop odds at boundline.net. Take those take those top 10 odds because I think there's, I think right now him in the top 10 is like a plus 180, and that's something I should definitely, definitely consider taking. There you go. Uh, yeah, so, so I think it's um... – so first of all, yeah, you're you're right. He was blistering fast, but you left out how my man benched 225 at his pro day, I think like 29 times. So he also showed some strength there, which is crazy. Um, Kier might have benched it more than him, but Kier also outweighs him by 40 pounds. Kier's so, huge, man. It's 275. So um, so right now, I do know this, right? It's Jermaine and it's Kavion Thibodeau, who 
I don't want to brag, but I did see at the airport after the Virginia Tech game. And I don't really know, like, I, I just think that one's going to come down to, like, what does your team need? And I, I saw someone said he might go to the Jets at number four. Mm-hmm. I don't know a ton about the Jets, but I have a buddy that hosts a Jets podcast, and I did go on there last year after they, they drafted Hamza, so I did some research. They seem to like players that can play that, I don't want to say positionless basketball type of football, but that. Like, they like to have, they, they seem to be building that sort of positionless, versatile type defense. So I wouldn't be surprised if they like him a little more than Thibodeau because I think he brings some versatility that I, I don't want to sound like I'm knocking KV on Thibodeau. Cause like all jokes about his interview where he said astigmatism aside, like he's a very, very, very good football player. So like, mm-hmm. and the I only just thing think, is ah, Jermaine me, just brings you kind of, I don't know. I, I don't know. We'll see. Here's the thing about cave on Thibodeau. Um, Max, Max folks, as you know, Max is a nationals fan. And for many years, Max Scherzer was there. And one of the viral videos, like me, he's one of my favorite pictures to watch, is him just literally muttering him, muttering to himself, like cursing up a storm, basically. And I think he had 16 strikeouts that game. When Kayvon Thibodeau yeah, is psycho. locked in, Kayvon Thibodeau will be the most elite pass rusher in the league. Now that's the question. Will he remain forever locked in? And sometimes, and to me, I think he's going to be the player that I personally hate when that comes up because like, like I know for like a Robert Candici that came up a lot, which made sense. But then you heard the same thing about Miles Garrett. And Miles Garrett is probably one of the best defensive ends in the league. I think it's more that people want to attach a lazy thing when someone says that football isn't their life. Because Kayvon Thibodeau was on records when he was being recruited. It's like, you know, football, like I'm good at it, but I don't need it. And folks, when you, you know, employers hear that, it's like, oh, you're not going to be 100% de- dedicated, you know, sleep, eat, and drink football. So I think that's kind of more than a knock on him. But to me, Kayvon Thibodeau will be the first one off the board primarily because when he is locked in, no one can block him. But I think Jermaine Johnson is number two on my board because I don't understand the Aiden Hudson hype primarily because I just think he's just a tall, like he's a productive player, but I, to me, that's just, he'll be, he'll be Chris long. He'll have a very long and solid career and then be a reserve for the Patriots and the Eagles and get a ring. Yeah. No, I, it, so there's a whole different rabbit hole, but I thought about this the other day I was laying in bed and I was like, you know, it's kind of weird how we, we force them to say they love football. Like I want one time someone to come out and be like, I really don't like playing football, but I'm really good at it. And I make a ton of money doing it. Like do baseball players say that all the time. It's lawyers hilarious. say that all the time. <laughs> Business consultants will tell you that. Um, literally any other profession will tell you that. I don't know why football players have to love the game of football because I, here's the thing. And I don't want to disparage what these guys go through. They don't work any harder at football than we work at our jobs. I, I, Oh, you've played it your whole life? Yeah, I've been learning math and reading and science my whole life, too. Like, I work really, really hard in schools, and I work really, really hard at my job, and I've learned a ton of stuff, and I regularly wake up early. Oh, and you know what? I don't get a freaking off-season. So, I'm not saying what they don't do. it. What they do is not hard. I'm just saying, like, I don't know why they have to love their job and can't just, like, I don't know why that's such a big knock on, like, KB on Thibodeau. It's like, okay, yeah, he just he's leveraging his skill set to make money, and he thinks about other things while he does it. Good good for him. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I don't get it either. Yeah. But anyway, um, we do have a lot of cool draft coverage, though, on the Locked On Network. We do a live draft show. So if y'all are into the draft, uh, it's not as fun when we don't have 12 players going in it. But make sure y'all check out the Locked On Network's draft coverage. You can see me. Um, I, I think I did a bit on Jermaine Johnson and a Clemson guy. I don't really remember, but I did. Um and yeah, so all that's great. But folks, I want to I want to get more into this roster, Drake, because I'm interested to hear like who do we think on this roster could Damn, end up gonna, playing on Sunday? You're not going to give any love to Jayshon Corbin. 
damn, bro. That's cold as hell. Oh, I thought we just wanted to talk about Jermaine. We could talk about the whole everyone in the draft. Yeah, that's fine. Um, but first, let me tell the folks about Rock Auto. So, folks, if your car is like me and doesn't always perform at its best and forgets players and things like that, uh, make sure you get it fixed. And the best way to get it fixed is going somewhere that's not going to charge you an arm and a leg for parts. And that place is rockauto.com. It's a family-owned business. It has Amazon-level prices and convenience with that small shop, mom-and-pop feel to it. You feel like someone's just walking you through it as you're trying to find the right part. They don't make you feel dumb. They don't make you look up serial numbers. You just say, hey, this is my make, this is my model, and this is what I need. And they tell you the you know, the part that that is, right? And they send it out to you and it gets to you with a great price in a very short and reasonable amount of time. And it's just like a good buying experience. And buying part, car parts is a pain in the ass. So if they can make it a little bit easier, they're good in my book. I've used them. Drake's used them. Uh, y'all should too for your next car repair. Seriously, it, it, car repair is not that hard. They're basically like just big ass Legos, you know, just get a socket wrench and like some screwdrivers and go to YouTube and it'll tell you how to do pretty much anything and then get the part from Rock Auto and save yourself a ton of money. And I'm not going to lie to you. There's like a little bit of your self-confidence that improves when you fix something on your car. Like you will find yourself telling people at work for a solid six weeks about you did your own car repair and you just feel cooler. You save money. And like, honestly, you become a little cooler. So go to rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. So yeah, we could keep rocking and rolling with drafts up, but folks, make sure that we're your number one pick. We know we're your number one listen, but we want to be your number one pick. Hit that subscribe button and you can check out our various playlists for all the different things that we talk. We talk Mike Norvell, we talk players, we talk all kinds of stuff. Or if you really want to, you can just go check out the full episodes playlist and we can keep you company all day long because let's be honest, it's probably more fun to listen to us than whatever else you had to do today. But let's talk about people that are doing something else today, Drake. Um... We also have Kier Thomas entering the draft. We've got Jay Sean Corbin entering the draft. And uh, we have a couple other really optimistic young gentlemen allegedly entering the draft. But those four, right, those three are kind of our main ones, I would assume, uh, unless I'm forgetting someone. But again, once they leave Florida State, they're basically dead to me. So, yeah. He's kidding, folks. Uh, but no, with Jay Sean Corbin, I mean, yeah, sure. <laughs> now y'all now y'all need to see what I have to deal with whenever I have to edit these things. But no, overall, like Jay Sean Corbin is obviously the next probably the probably the most likely to get selected out of all the entries that we actually have in the draft. Now with me personally, I think Jay Sean Corbin will probably be the perfect for a as a backup running back option. Maybe go to, towards the I think the Dolphins in that fourth round. I think it's one of their first picks because they do need new running backs to pair up with Chase Edmonds overall and also Jason Corbin showed off he had home run speed. That was the one thing that we basically are going to be waiting until the start of this year to see if Trey Benson has that home run speed, if Lawrence Toffoli can actually have, add a little more speed to him because we know we, we like Trayson Ward a lot, but we need to see actually if he's able to actually put the afterburners on and go into that fifth gear. But Jason Corbin is most definitely the most likely to be drafted, and I wouldn't be surprised if you hear maybe a Jordan Wilson in the seventh round as a flyer, and even Andrew Parchment too as well. Yeah, so I was going to look it up. I, I I admittedly was supposed to do this before um, before we we came in because I was running stats today and putting together our database that we're building to bring the folks a more premium experience. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm working hard over here um, pulling out all of my statistical analysis tools and coding abilities and things, and I'm building a master database of all things Florida State stats. Um 
that that's going to just help improve the show. You'll never see it, right? It's like it's like a good parent. If they're doing their job, you almost don't know they were there because they're just we're, it's just back there keeping the show running, you know. But Jay Sean Corbin caught what did I what did I say Drake I don't have it pulled up right now but what 13% of our passes last year and I think that uh that's probably where he brings the most value as a running back because we're seeing in the NFL that that's becoming more and more of a thing Cordell Patterson was number 1 last year in, in passes caught um Christian McCaffrey's also up there Alvin Kamara is also up there um and and it's just again it's starting to become a more necessary skill but Drake here's what I think is interesting about Jay Sean Corbin is he's got pretty sure hands he's got the home run speed to to get away if he catches something out of the backfield but he also has the size and he showed the pass blocking ability so if you think about the versatility that gives you if you have a running back that can both catch and pass block when you put him in the backfield on third down it's not a dead giveaway what they're doing a and b it gives the quarterback that check because now they can say, if they start seeing pressure, they could say, hey, hold, 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 hold. You know, I need you to sit here and make sure that guy doesn't take my head off. And it lets them, if he's in a pass pro set and they see him dropping into a 3-4 into coverage and he sees, you know, maybe the nickels cheating over, he's like, hey, actually, you know, hot route that and go out to the flat, that kind of stuff. So it gives the quarterback options. It keeps the defense guessing. And I, and I think it's a really valuable skill set. I, I don't know if he'll get drafted because to me, all the reading I've done on like, just how the game's changing says that, you know, people are starting to feel less confident in drafting running backs and they just don't feel like the value is there for the money anymore. So they're preferring to find sort of the free agent. I don't want to say diamonds in the rough, but just the the position is there, there doesn't seem to be the urgency to draft good running backs anymore. It's like, yeah, well, so I'm about to say, like, cause he was, we'll overall, find he was overall solid called running back, but that to me explains why he'd be a round four round five kind of pick. Basically someone who does have the production, and he also showcased that the past year and a half where he did sustain already a leg injury and he has come bounced back from that and the, and then some honestly. And then with the pass blocking, the one concern he, they do have about you with that is his hand placement sometimes a little bit too high. Sometimes he can get caught with holding because with the NFL, you basically go from playing, you know, against superheroes to basically the damn Avengers. So that basically will be one issue that he might actually have over. But that's why to me, he is the perfect change of pace back, the perfect backup running back if, if your star running back actually does go down because he does have those good hands. He does have pretty good, pretty good pretty good, vision. Maybe he needs to get a little more creative in the open space or maybe watch a little bit of Trace and War film because Trace and War in open space is really fun to watch. But overall, like that's definitely someone that will get drafted and have a probably decent decent, a decent a length career in the NFL. Yeah, I, th- I think that's right. Now, Kier Thomas actually, I find him to be the most interesting prospect because on one hand, I understand why he's probably not projecting as a draft pick, but I also have seen him play football and my brain can't reconcile him not having a career. I'm not saying he's going to be an all-star. I'm not saying he's going to be selected to 27 Pro Bowls, but I watched him play all year and it's like he looks like he's going to have a career on Sunday. Now, what do I know? Not a lot. But I do think he'll find himself on a roster and will have a chance to play himself into a job. And I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up with a pretty solid four or five year career. Yeah, he's someone that will definitely be an undrafted free agent. It's just we hear time and time again how extremely, extremely productive college football players, especially on the defense side of the ball, when they are too small, typically don't last very long in the NFL. Like, do you remember, Scooby, do you remember Scooby Wright, the Pac 12 linebacker from Arizona, who basically was mm-hmm. on high, preseason Heisman lifts? He won. 
the Walter, uh, the Bronco Nagurski Award, the Lombardi Award, Chuck Bernard Award in the same year. That man was drafted in the last five picks in, in 2016 and was in the NFL, NFL for, I think, a year and a half. So overall, like that to me, like it's it's really tough when you are like you're, you you play well, but with the, with college and to the NFL, you need to see the potential of actually staying past three years. That's why the average span of a person's career in the NFL is 2.8 years. Yeah, well, that and because this is like a weird soapbox to get on, but I I think I think minimum payments are like the dumbest thing ever. Like I think it's kind of I think there should be a league minimum, but I don't really. It's a graduated minimum, right? Where you have to make more as a second year, more as a third year, more as a fourth year, which means you have to like prove your value plus some every single year. And I understand maybe that's to give rookies more opportunity, but like I don't really like that to me, setting the price floor. I think it's kind of unfair to guys who could have a solid six or seven year career. Keep in mind, four years is when you earn your pension. So like it is important to make it four three. years. Is it three? Okay, three years. But it's that's still, why you know the average what I mean? 2.8. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's what I'm saying. That plus, again, you have like a third year player has to be 15% better than a first year player because they have to pay them more, which, um, but let me ask this. You think if Kier Thomas goes as an undrafted free agent, will he make more money than the sixth rounders? And do you think his agent will tweet about that? Because I've heard that that's a strategy for success on draft days, tweeting about how your client didn't get drafted and actually made more money because of it. I'm of the belief that if you're an undrafted free agent, um, you most likely are going to get paid more money. And in some cases, you it's better to get undrafted than actually be drafted in the sixth or seventh round primarily because you can actually select your team. You can also get paid more. And incentives-wise, it's a lot better for that. Agreed. But, like, just that was such – it's a bad look. It's one of those things where it's like, yes, you're right. But no – put it this way. No one doesn't want to get drafted. Like, it's like when you get into your safety school, which I wouldn't know about because I went to community college. And you're like, no, no, it's fine. I really want to go there because they, they actually have a better program for, like, insert random major here. It's like, you're not wrong. But come on. Anyway, I, you know, Trayshawn Ward, by the way, according to Pro Football Focus, this is way off topic, um, was the fifth best pass blocking running back in the country last year. That sounds right about right. I mean, I mean, I mean he's a PWO. He has that kind of mentality where you have to fight tooth and nail for your roster spot. So, obviously, something that's, you know, that's not looked upon as pass blocking, he's going to be good at yeah yeah or sorry great i just want I, I to make sure i was i was right yeah so dude and then um jay sean corbin it looks like they don't give by the way folks a little behind the scenes they don't give you a ranking number on um on pff when you sort it so you have to count it but it looks like he was about 20th 25th so uh he is a pretty good pass blocker but holy cow trishon ward fifth in the country that's uh and that's on that's that's not ignoring the snap count minimum so that's a that's at least 150 snaps taken anyway folks we appreciate you drake is there anyone else we need to touch on um, just be on the lookout for probably some flyers being taken. I think Jordan Wilson is someone that we like a lot, basically, who can block really well. And obviously, he's got a lot of potential there. And then I'll stay impact that I think Andrew Parchman will get drafted in the seventh round. But anyway, folks, we appreciate you rocking and rolling with us. I'm Max. That was Drake. And this was Locked on Seminoles. Take care, everybody. And shout out Brian Burns in the fifth-year option. $16 million for this coming year. Hey, and again, we've said it, but Scotty Too Hottie, Rookie of the Year.